The Ringer's music critic Rob Harvilla curates and explores 60 iconic songs from the 90s that define the decade. Rob is joined by a variety of guests to break it all down as they turn back the clock. Check out 60 songs that explain the 90s exclusively on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. Just because it's dark where you're at doesn't mean you have to whisper. This is our podcast where we, un- <laughs> what do we do? We unpack and we... We, we unpack and, and we... And process, we, uh, metabolize. Aggrandize. Enumerate. Uh, we have a lot of concerns this week. We're going to talk about Loki in time travel in a second. I think up top, we need to talk about Evangelion. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We are finally getting an ending. Yes. Um, The North American release of the fourth and final Evangelion reboot movie. For people who don't know, Sound Only began as an Evangelion recap podcast here at The Ringer. Go back and listen to the original episodes of this this podcast. They They should be in the feed now. We what did we do? We covered the TV series and then we covered End of Evangelion. We never touched the the rebuild. Movies. We never touched the rebuild movies. Uh, we should. We, uh, we probably. We, uh, yeah, we should probably do that at some point before uh, yeah. the 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 fourth and final movie comes out. Um, Honestly, that they, might be some. Yeah, they they do do a lot of like re <laughs> jiggering to this to to the plot line, as it were. And I mean, like you know, it's just would be good to 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 build some anticipation of the, the 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 release of the fourth and final movie in North America for the first time on Netflix, you know, because that just keeps happening. You know, they just keep buying stuff. I know. Uh, I'm. I have not even tried to bootleg that movie. I do want to watch it in proper resolution and all that stuff. Is the thing. Hopefully, Amazon sends us screeners. That will be nice. 
Mr. Bezos before you get shot in the space. Oh, I said Netflix, but I meant Amazon. But oh, I mean, sure. like, you know, Netflix runs on Amazon Oz and like there's there's no escaping Amazon on yeah. any corner of the Internet anyway. Oh, it's yes. technically correct. Yes, know? it's an Amazon release. We will talk about it. I will say I went on um, this podcast called the Human Instrumentality Podcast hosted by these two dudes, Ian and uh, Joseph, who they had me on to talk about the third of the four rebuild movies. I thought that conversation was very fun. Uh, this was pretty recently. I think the episode went up maybe last week. Go listen to that. Go get um, that. I have a lot of thoughts about the rebuild movies. I like them. They can be frustrating. Uh, I like them. Micah, have you watched them? I have not watched okay. the rebuild movies. Um, I only did some, you know, cursory Googling after getting, uh, after we got uh, more than a few emails about doing recaps about it um, yeah. in the intervening time since we did the Evangelion recap podcast. So, Yeah, um, th- those movies are, they're fascinating and my opinion on the second and third movies in particular have reversed over time. I really liked the second movie when it came out and I, I dislike it over time. And the third movie, I think a lot of people disliked the third movie when it came out. I low-key think it's aged really well. Um you got to catch up to those movies because they take some the it's the direction's odd <laughs> by the third movie. You're going to be like, I'm sorry. What, what is what series are we watching? <laughs> um, but yeah, you a fool for this one. Hideaki Anno. Um, that said, we will figure out our Ava rebuild content. We know it's our, our duty, our constitutional duty as former Evangelion podcasters for now. However, this week. Mike and I had a kind of conundrum, right? I think we knew sooner or later we wanted to talk about Loki. I'll be real with you, though. I, I think Loki's terrible. Uh, <laughs> Micah, what is your take on Loki? <laughs> I think Loki is fun. Um, I think that I like the... I kind of like like the, the, the fast-paced, quiffy Britishness of the show, I guess. You know? There's a lot of in-talk, but I mean, like, as I was watching it the first time through, I wasn't really watching it that closely. It was just kind of like on while I was doing other stuff. And then, like, watching it back through, yeah, there's um, more, than a, more than a bit of expositional dialogue. Uh, you know, it's very... Uh, the talkiness of the show kind of, like, gives way to, like, a lot of the uh, just kind of everyone constantly explaining what is happening and what their place in this particular universe is at any given time, because it's a very confusing premise. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, I, here's the thing though, because you and I, like we've had conversations where we sort of lay out on the table, our, our stance on the Marvel stuff in general. And because again, I, I respect our audience enough to take everyone where they're at with this stuff. Um, instead of doing an episode, right, where I just come in here and shit on Loki, I'm not going to do that. Listeners know we're going to I'm, I'm going to basically what I want to do with that show is I want to take the things that I think are valuable about it. Right. And I want to put them in contrast with another thing that Micah hates, which is the movie Tenet. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Another time travel. <laughs> another time travel object cultural object uh listeners of this podcast of the recent past yes but listeners of this podcast surely over episodes will have picked up 
on all of Micah's hateful tangents about the movie Tenet. <laughs> Could you please spell out your opposition to Tenet? It is, uh, again, I believe I've said multiple times. <laughs> He's about to go off. Oh, my that, God. That this movie is actively hostile to the viewer. I mean, it is... Like at every turn, Christopher Nolan being like, they're they're just characters that walk on screen and announce themselves as principal characters, or at least speak with that kind of gravitas or intonation. Like they're supposed to be like, I mean, (laughs) yeah. And then like on top of that, Robert Pattinson's accent changes like eight times during the movie. No, it doesn't. He sounds like Sean Bean for the entire movie. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) And they just keep building on top of, like, on top of this, you know, just gorgeous knot of convolution, like, with random shit. And they, and they, and they explain it all the way in the first 15 minutes with, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, the, uh, Becky with the, the, no, the, the Belgian lady from in Bruges. Uh, oh, I hate in Bruges. She, by the way, she was also in, uh, no, we don't need to do that. And, but we do need to, we, <laughs> we should, we should talk. Yes. Yeah, censorship. We, we need to, we do need to talk about that movie at some point, but, um, we need to ban uh, in Bruges from schools. <laughs> we need to pass some laws, bro. <laughs> oh my God. But, like where there's where you know they're passing the 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 reverse bullet across the table in the co- in the in a literal collegiate lecture hall. Yes, and then she's just like you know you have to you, you can't think about it you have to just, just feel, feel it. And then he picks up the bullet and it's just kind of like instinct. And then there's like a slam cut to the next thing, which is like building on that ramshackle like base of logic that the movie is like you know, continues to build itself on to a like weird thing at the edge of time where it's suddenly thousands of people of heavily armed paramilitary troops fighting each other on a desert landscape for some reason. How did I like it's I've, you know, okay. So with all of that said for Micah, I will say that I liked Tenet. (laughs) I liked it. But I like I know that you I, okay. All right. Tell me tell me why you liked this movie. No, Despi- we're gonna build suspense because actually, so now that I'm glad you said all the things you just said, right? Because by now the listener surely is going talking about Loki, now they're talking about Tenet, right? So I think the general thing we want to talk through in this episode is is um time travel bullshit, <laughs> frankly. Because <laughs> time I feel travel like, bullshit. <laughs> I feel like I've watched I, I both watched with the discourse around Tenet when it was happening. And then I definitely feel like I've, I've seen this play out with Loki. I was talking to Charles Holmes about it. The sense in which I think people look at time travel in fiction and think of it as like fraught, right? And some people just have no patience for time travel bullshit whatsoever. Some people are really discerning about like the kind of plots and paradoxes that they'll, they'll put up with. I like time travel bullshit. I think my taste in time travel bullshit explains a lot of why I I can't really stand Loki and why I like Tenet, despite what I will concede later on in this episode to be its flaws. <laughs> um, I think this is a good way of talking about something that I otherwise don't like in the form of Loki and that's something you don't like in the form of Tenet, but in a way that I think can be constructive toward, you know, like a larger end and a larger theme. So after the break here... Let's talk about Loki first, 
just because it's the more current thing. And also because I think in talking about Loki, I can then set up some of my points about why I like Tenet. How about that? Uh, I consent to that. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Okay, so to begin with Loki, right? I want to say that to your point about Loki being convoluted and having to do a lot of exposition, I want to raise a point in the very beginning of this convo, which is that I actually don't, I think of all the problems with that show and how convoluted it can get, I don't know that the, the time travel or the time management sort of premise is why that show feels convoluted. I think, I think it's kind of hiding behind it's time management stuff. And the real reason it's convoluted is the reason that all MCU stuff is convoluted, which is it's a bunch of characters I don't give a shit about. And like referring to events of movies that were released in 2011. You know what I mean? Like that's the actual convoluted thing about Loki. But for the purpose of this conversation, can you briefly outline the sort of setup and the time, the time management mechanics of Loki, the TV show? Well, uh, exemplifying the exact thing that you're complaining about. I need to go all the way back to Avengers Endgame in order to explain this, which is at the end of Avengers Endgame, uh, after Scott Lang comes back from whatever the, the Phantoms, whatever zone he was in that exists. Oh, the quantum realm, right. That exists outside of space time. And they build a time machine um, using Tony Stark's equation that he figured out while, you know, eating an ice pop at home in the woods, <laughs> basically. But at this, at, at a certain stage in the movie, they're like, you know, having a conversation about like what time, how time is supposed to function. And it's like a very, you know, 
quick way of like bootstrap an understanding of what it is that they're about to do and basically how they're about to bring everyone, which is half the population of the entire universe back to life using time and the infinity stones. And they're just like James Rose is standing in like a bunker when they're about to test stuff going like you change the past and they change the past and it becomes the future and so on and so forth. This is basically been explained in everything you've ever seen star trek terminator time cop time after time hot tub time machine <laughs> excellent adventure <laughs> yeah to bring time um, cop into this yeah but go ahead. They, yes. they, they 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 go back in time they snatch the infinity stones out from you know past uh vignettes of marvel movies that have happened over the decade that is basically like one long sending off for Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> who concluded his contract with the, with the MCU, I guess at the end of Endgame. Um, uh, but during one of those, they go back to get the space stone, which is contained in the Tesseract, which is at the end of the first Avengers film. And Loki has it. And it's at the very end and uh, hijinks ensue because the Hulk has to take the stairs they lose the Tesseract. Loki escapes uh, to the Gobi Desert in Mongolia with it, apparently. That's where we begin uh, Loki, the Disney Plus show. Uh, and the way that's set up in the very beginning of the show, it's, it's mercifully brief, I'll say, right? It feels very economical, but in a way that leaves me going, oh, right, that thing I didn't care about in Endgame. Right, okay, continue. Right, like, right. That's the, and it's already kind of li- like... Falcon. This is like I'm I'm explaining like probably a three minute <laughs> sequence. Yeah, yeah. In the third act of a three hour movie that references a decade of movies. Yeah, right. But it's also I think you know of the time travel things. I actually think Endgame is bad. Like I just I think the blip and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier does this too, right? Where the sort of drama of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is sort of like the Global Repatriation Council and people who have been restored by the blip. And it's just like, the, first of all, the blip is such a lame thing, right? Like you do this really high stakes, tragic thing it's, in and it's one called movie the and blip. then you just undo it. And then it's just like... It's literally called the blip. Like the blip, like the blip is like blip is so... It's the, it's the drop of blood on Thanos' face. <laughs> Along the along the, the the sacred timeline, which we find out is a thing, basically. I just think it's a weird flex to basically set your movie franchise up to show that even that scale of tragedy doesn't actually matter, and then be like, "No, let's try to get let's wring more tension out of this," even though you've basically like undone the tension of that movie, right? Like, I don't know, but anyway, I just think that. Like, what's the actual, like, present day, though, stuff, right? Like, Loki and the variants, like, explain that stuff. Because that, to me, is central to what Oh, yeah, Loki that's right. Is. I've I talked for a you very only long explain, time like, the prologue. and only yeah. explain the prologue. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, what Loki did, escaping with the Tesseract, uh, into Mongolia... Is, uh, is, is, is deemed... A, uh, a violation crime, of the sacred timeline. Right? A crime against a crime against oh, the sacred timeline. Right, crime right. for he is going to be arrested for crimes against the sacred timeline. To get uh, by a bunch of uh, 
you know, Renaissance stormtroopers with nightsticks, yeah, really with, <laughs> with, with, with glowing nightsticks <laughs> that call themselves the Time Variant Cops. Yeah, oh, the Time Variant Association. The uniforms are not it, bro. <laughs> I mean, like, would you take would you take direction from somebody that was wearing that shit? No, would, you got like, mall cops showing up in Mongolia in the wilderness, and I would have just I would have knocked them. Yeah, out. and a lot of these, a lot of these, a lot of these Time Variant Association. Uh, hunters are what they're called are very angry for some reason. And I think it's because their uniforms are so stupid and they, they, they're very self-conscious about it. Um, so but, Loki, Loki violated the masquerade. Yes. Okay. This, he, <laughs> um, so he's arrested um, by Ruby from, from Lovecraft country. Uh, and taken back to the Time Variant Association, which is basically the DMV in the sky. It's like, yeah, it's it is the giant DMV in the sky where you go to be judged for your crimes against the sacred timeline, which is basically the uh, unfettered procession of time as dictated by three extra extra dimensional beings called the timekeepers that just kind of decide what is and isn't acceptable in the flow of time. Um, Can I just say right there, I thought that part was really badly set up because I think the basic idea, right? It's funny in that the PowerPoint presentation with the clock, right, explains the idea of deviations, right? Which is there's a sacred timeline and you have these, you have the potential of People doing things that, you know, they could either be spinning off into a reality where instead of X happening, they do some big cataclysmic rebellious decision, uh, you know, rebellious decision against the timeline. Or it could be as simple as somebody uh, who wasn't supposed to show up late for work one day showed up late for work. Right. But these things right. are all deviations and they have to get ironed out by the TVA. Right. I thought that was simple enough. Like that premise is simple enough of there's right. there's one timeline that needs to be policed and enforced. But then they introduce also the idea of putting Loki on trial, which doesn't seem like it has anything to do with anything. Right. Like what what is the point of trying someone for violating the timeline? Like when the when, timeline has been presented in a way where deviations from it could be purely incidental, accidental, and it doesn't really matter like they introduced this idea of guilt and innocence, despite the fact that they never really connect it to how they've explained the time mechanics of the show. And I found that really disorienting up front because it's like you have Loki dragged into a courtroom being charged with violating the sacred timeline, but it hasn't really been explained what that even means or what punishing him would mean. And I know it gets into the later stuff with like, Wow, sounds a lot like the American criminal justice system. Okay. No, but <laughs> no, but the I like it's kind of it's 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 kind of nakedly a plot device, you know, because it doesn't really make sense in the context of there being three omnipotent like beings that are the end all be all and have already found you guilty and condemned you to whatever fate awaits you so it's like this is theater which i mean like honestly you know loki tries to poke fun at but he has no power because the time variant association is considered to be the most power the, the greatest power in the universe yeah 
Like they use infinity stones as paperweights because not, neither magic nor people's powers work in the time variance association. Um, they really haven't explained why just that that's what it is. That's what that's just the deal. Yes. Um, and I do feel like in the first couple of episodes of Loki, I was left kind of nitpicking the the mechanics of the time management stuff just because one if you set all that stuff aside, you're left with you're left with gestures at Avengers movies that I'm sh- I'm sure all of this holds up well if you're really into those movies, but I would say of WandaVision, Falcon and this. This show is like the least accessible. This show does if if you aren't super if you don't own all the t-shirts with all the Avengers on them, okay, all you, right. Well, like it, what are it, you like, supposed okay, to do like with this show? It's, it's, I don't you, know. It's I can like I concede your point, but also I got to say that the reason that I texted you like, you know, maybe you should give this a spin when I was watching the pilot was for that scene where uh, he basically uh, evades capture during interrogation and then makes his way back to the interrogation room and he's watching what would have been his future had he not jumped outside of his yeah. timeline yep. play out on screen in front of him. With Thanos, right. right. That scene kind of rips. And so does the music behind it, where he's watching himself die. Um, and and then, like, you know, crying and then crying in laughter and being like, oh, glorious purpose is actually pretty good if you have, like, if you just have, I guess, like, because they don't exactly show, like, a what they don't actually show his neck getting snapped, but I mean, like you can hear it. Yeah. I don't know. Did you not like, was that not, you know, you, I, nothing? It didn't do I, anything. It's not that it didn't I do just, nothing, but like, I, I think actually more so of the scene immediately following it. Right. Which is Mobius comes back. Isn't it like right after that Mobius is back in the room? No, and, it's really the, like Mobius comes back in the room after he, uh, after, after the escape, after yeah. the sort of bullshit with the, yeah. But I, I, the scene that stood out the most to me as sort of telegraphing, like, okay, this is, I, I, I'm wondering where this is going, is the scene toward the very end of the episode where he, where, where Loki is sitting and Mobius, Mobius is sort of caught up with him. And Mobius is basically giving him the spiel of like, look, I don't really believe, like, I need to know, I need you to be more honest with yourself about what makes you tick, right? And Loki's doing the whole thing of like, I don't I don't just enjoy hurting people like you don't understand me. Right. And they're clearly having this very meta conversation about what is the point of making a Marvel show about the character Loki? Right. Like that's kind of. Yeah. I mean, like it's trying to in so many episodes achieve like. uh, Like trying to change the the viewers understanding of Loki as a character via and, and literalizing it through a character literally named Mobius. Yes. Which yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, we'll let that slide. <laughs> we'll let that who do. says who's who 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 says aloud at one point, you could be anything you want to be, even good. Yeah. You know? Which I mean somebody needs to say at some point because that's the role he's going to play in phase whatever. Which I mean is just the nature of it being a Marvel show. Right. But that but that conversation that stood out to me toward the end of the, the the first episode, right? I mean, it was heavy-handed in some ways, but it also at least felt like a real moment of clarity where I was like, okay, this show 
knows what the score is. It knows that it has a pretty simple, straightforward mission of character building, right? Like, I think for all the complaints I had about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I at least thought that the, you know, the Bucky-Sam relationship level insights, I, I thought the show was very clear-minded about that. Right. I thought it was less clear about the sort of grand political intrigue of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But I thought Bucky, this is a show about Bucky and Sam. And this show knows the work it has to do to sort of flesh those characters out more. And I at least took that that conversation and Loki as being sort of telegraphing that, again, a similar clarity about that mission. It's just that then I go on to watch the rest of the episodes that have aired. And I feel like all of that clarity just keeps getting buried under the TVA bullshit. And it's sort of, you were talking about exposition earlier. And look, certainly a Marvel thing or a Star Wars thing, any number of sort of science fantasy things, certainly science fantasy things involving time travel, right? Require exposition. No way around it, right? You you don't want to just have your, your viewer be lost. I totally get that. I think though... There is such a specific style of exposition in Loki where it's like 90% of the dialogue in this show is the equivalent of of a character in the first 30 minutes of a movie being like, so you know how we all know this thing that is well-established in our universe, but that our viewer isn't necessarily familiar with, right? Every character in every other scene in Loki for four episodes so far talks like that. That's the, and, and I think it's like, it it happens so frequently and it's so heavy handedly that it kind of just it like sucks all the oxygen out of the show. All of the cool character stuff you want to see happen with Loki and Mobius. It feels like it's just always getting drowned out by the fact that the show goes, oh, right. We have to over explain the time travel stuff some more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it is. Kind of. Like the psychoanalysis stuff, like in the beginning of the episode where they're just kind of like picking or the stuff, the parts where they're just kind of like picking apart each other's psyche, I guess, or the kind of conversations that they have aside about, uh, do you actually believe in, you know, all of the stuff, the sacred timeline, the TVA, do you actually believe that you were created by the timekeepers? And he's just kind of like, where did you come from? He's just like, well, I was created by a frost giant. And he was just kind of like, and you were raised by the queen of Asgard and you're a demi trickster God. He was just kind of like, all of this sounds stupid. I think that like, I enjoyed those conversations, but it, it does become like the main mode of speech in the show. Like where it's just kind of like we're deconstructing and reconstructing all the time. It does crowd out uh, some of the stuff that you're supposed to notice about changes in um, like Loki becoming more tolerable, I guess, uh, rather than just being charming occasionally. Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, Which is is as much as I brag on the MCU, right? I don't think that that's necessarily inherent. Right. Again, to to use I mean, you use WandaVision or Falcon, right? Those are shows. I have a lot of problems with those shows, but I think that those shows by the end do a good job of justifying just in their limited local context of like, look, this is a show about Sam and Bucky, right? This is a show about Wanda and Vision and 
they may be more periphery, more peripheral characters in the movies, but we sort of gave them their own self-contained context to really flourish in, in those seasons of television. I think Loki just feels, it really does feel like trying to tune into season 20 of Passions on NBC and just being like, nah, like this is too, you are too far down the rabbit hole of assumptions about what your audience knows and is invested in. And again, if you are in fact that kind of viewer, right, where you are just all about the MCU, I'm sh- I'm sure that works, but I've just I'm surprised by how it almost feels like downright antisocial <laughs> the level of presumptiveness and how the drama in the show plays out. Um even if you take a character like the Owen Wilson character is brand new, right? Like Mobius is specific to this show, right? Uh I'm not entirely sure if Mobius is specific to the show i know that like the time variance authority was introduced in the thor comics oh no I, i'm sorry i mean he might be from the comics i just mean in terms of if we're talking about the mcu oh right? in, in terms of the mcu yeah, yeah he's like, a oh, he's a new he's yeah. he's new yeah yes right that's sort of what i mean and it, it's sort of the fact that he's new right that seems like such a good pretext to say okay hey just focus on the Loki Mobius dynamic, right? That's a way of saying, look, yeah, there, you know, Loki, his context is in the Thor movies and Avengers, but like, look, look at Mobius, look at Owen Wilson, right? Like, let's build this this character dynamic again in this local contained context. And it, I just feel like it hasn't happened so far. I just don't really buy. I get the kind of push and pull, buddy cop, you know, thin treachery. I get the tension. I get the dynamic they're going for. But again, it's like there's always someone cartwheeling in the middle of those two characters in the show going, explain the TVA time travel bullshit again. Yeah. And it it's, it, it it takes me out, man. I don't know. Um, but that's all to say what I was saying up top, right? Which is that I actually don't think it's the... I'm torn on whether the problem is the time travel stuff itself or whether it's the Marvelness of it. And whether if like... I don't know. I don't know which thing is more to blame, I guess is what I'm saying. To me. Because I don't know it's the time stuff. The time stuff doesn't actually seem that complicated to me. The time stuff is just, you don't want deviations because you have a sense of like the one timeline that should matter is the one timeline that should matter and shit gets messy if you allow all sorts of chaos, butterfly effect shit to happen, right? I think that's simple enough. Sure. That's, I mean, like, it's, it's just that it is something that, like, it, it, like, keep, they, they keep building on, like I said, or like keep checking up on or keep writing additions to, or like they emphasize a lot in, in the, in the story. If, like, if it's the central thing that you're supposed, like, if you're thinking about it, if it's the foremost thing in mind rather than being like, a device used to explain something about like the titular character, maybe, you know, then of course it gets annoying. You know, it's frustrating. Okay. I think, I think I have this. So I think the MCU stuff can be really presumptuous about, you know, surely you as the viewer have seen the 30 Marvel movies that inform this 31st television show, right? And yet, there's something about this show's approach to the TVA 
right to the the timeline logistics um because it's so verbose because it's constantly kind of cutting off and choking off character development to over explain it it feels like there's it's like they have their priorities reversed right um it's like they're super confident when it comes to just being like you know and love loki right but then the time travel they're just so insecure about it they just they feel i feel like it's the clearest pronouncement that disney thinks i'm stupid the degree to which these characters are made to over explain like really basic time travel concepts that you encounter in like middle school fiction right i think that's the thing that's frustrating about the show is that the show on the one hand like this is a this is a big budget tv series with stars in it saying like committing to a time travel premise but then kind of just really feeling ultimately like it kind of just doesn't believe in itself pulling it off and feeling like it doesn't really believe in time travel plots. Like you kind of want some real anime confidence that the show just doesn't have. Um, that's what I find frustrating about it. I, I'm not like no one, no one who's going to humor time travel in a fictional thing like this needs to have it over explained this much as much as Loki does. You know what I mean? Like if you're gonna overexplain it that much, find, don't even bother. I just, I just find it, I just find it funny how you that you, this is this is your complaint about Loki, and you like Tenet. Oh, here we go. Okay. I mean, let's talk about it though. Let's talk about it because I, 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 to sort of kick that part of the discussion off, right? I, I think the main thing Tenet has going for it is that it, frankly, I don't think it overexplains stuff. I think there is a confidence. I think that that scene early in Tenet where your boy JDW, John David Washington, the protagonist, is talking to the scientist lady, and she says the really hand-wavy thing. She's trying to, you know, she starts trying to explain how time travel and those objects work in Tenet. And then she says, you know what? Don't even try to understand it. Just feel it, right? That is like the perfect level of explanation that's not really an explanation, but this is a movie and you just got to get with her to get out. That's the kind of confidence I wanted from Loki was the confidence of Tenet. I have plenty of problems with Tenet, but what I will say is that the the if you're, if you're <laughs> but focusing, what you will say is that it's confident. Which yeah, is, well, it's that like, it's confident, but that specifically it's confident in the time travel stuff. You know what I mean? There's a it's it's taking something that again could be convoluted as hell, especially in like. Christopher Nolan movies kind of make a point of seeming more convoluted than they even actually are. And yet, I think the basics of the time travel in the movie are straightforward. I think they have, a, again, they have like a well-measured confidence. I think there's other stuff about the movie that's annoying, but the time travel stuff is not. The time travel stuff is, look, you got to go forward in time before you can go backward in time. That's it. That's the extent of the time travel stuff. You got to go forward in time before you can go backward in time. Except for that we can also deploy people to the future to then travel backwards in time. And then we can deploy people to the past to travel forwards in time and create a pincer movement that traps our target in the present and you ain't never wear Clauschwitz. You know I'm what just, I mean? Like, I, like, I'm just I, like, it's, it is. Why are you bringing like, up bullshit? I'm, I'm just saying that. And then the, you know, you might be the first person to die of hypothermia from a gas line explosion. Uh, ex explanations of like the thermodynamics of, uh, the interaction between the present and the reverse time. 
and the before time. <laughs> Which are, I mean, like, yes, it has. I will, I, I will concede that it that it strides, stomps confidently forward. But I, it's nonsense. It's nonsense. Uh, I personally think that if we're going to use the word convoluted as people do with, uh, and, and nonsense as people often do with the plot of, of Nolan movies, right? I think the thing that's nonsense about Tenet low-key is not any of the time stuff. It's the fucking Kenneth Branagh character. It's Andre. Like, that guy's motive. They needed to... They needed to, like, rip up the script and start over with him because nothing about his motivations or plan... Tra- it, it's a combination of, on paper, it doesn't make sense, and also the way... He just drinks a lot of vodka and is very angry about feminism. Yeah, it's reason. like the way like, it's not the, like a yeah. He's doled big, out in a way that's just like, wait, what? So he's doing what? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense at all. Like he's and why is he Russian? <laughs> Yo, because Kenneth Brennan wanted to go for the gold. That's why. I, it's, but anyway, that guy. Yeah, it's it's there's just <laughs> that's why. I mean, but you feel me though, right? I like, know. It's, I, 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 it's, you know, sure. As, no, but, as, I, but that you're, what you're describing is a problem of characterization. And again, to me, if I'm taking Tenet, I'm taking Tenet and I'm explaining why I like it. All, what I'm saying is I, I quarantine off the Kenneth Branagh villain character and say, absolutely, throw him, shoot him into space with Sputnik. And just be, like again, especially it's it's annoying how convoluted and sort of soft and muted his motivations are in the movie. Because then in the last half hour of Tenet, you're like, oh wait, he's just Renard from the one Bond movie, the guy who gets shot with the bullet that's like slowly moving through his body, and his motivation turns out to be he's dying in real time, and so he just wants to die on his own terms, and he wants to punish. But he's just Renard from that one Bond movie. That's all his character is. But the first two hours of the movie sort of set you up to believe it's more complicated than that, and it's just not. But that's one character. That's a problem with this one character who needed to be booted from the movie or rewritten. I think everything else is tight. I don't think you can blame any of the problems with Tenet on the time travel. That shit is tight. And or, it's clearly, it's just something to hang all the action sequences on, too, is the other thing. I mean, yeah, it's like, it's 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 an excuse for, for cool shots of cars driving backwards and flipping over. And I mean, like, that stuff is cool looking. It is actually, the, the, the action sequences in the movie are very cool. It's just that they are very loosely strung together. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um but I think that was enough for me, right? Like, I don't know that I've ever had... I would be... No, I mean, the thing is that, like, I'll be... I, come on. I'd love six out of ten movies. It's just that if it yeah, didn't okay, have... Okay. The, the problem the problem with Tenet also was, like, everything around it as well. Like, and then, and then for there to be all that noise about you need to watch this in a theater and Christopher Nolan being like you know, cinema is dying because we're watching movies at home. And then you go to a drive-in theater to see this shit. <laughs> it was like, seriously, it was like, I mean, I did. I I even, I liked it. I will concede that I liked it more like watching it the second time on, on, on HBO Max at home. Like then I did going to see it uh, with a close friend in the drive-in theater a couple, like uh, however long back. Yeah. Like as like, you know, uh, this is I'm gonna throw this on at on a Saturday at 2 p.m. 
type of movie, Tenet is fine. Yeah. But not as a cause celeb, which is like what it was at well, the that, time. But I always struggle with that with Nolan stuff, right? Because what are the Nolan, like Memento is eh, cool. Prestige, best movie. Um, Batman Begins, great. Dark Knight, great, but great more so because of performances than like, I don't need to see that chase scene through Chicago again. I don't need to see the last 30 minutes of the Dark Knight again. Dark Knight Rises, know. better than people I say it is. Do like I, I do like the ch- the chase scene through downtown Chicago for the sole fact of like the sole part where Heath Ledger like crawls out of the wreckage of the truck and rolls over and shoots the ground with AK forty seven. Yeah, as he gets oh up. yeah, the, you're right. His like his yeah. body movement is really it's, <laughs> it's like a very specifically amazing. good body. Acting. I, yeah. Like it's the it's some of the best physical acting ever. Yeah, in that movie. Yeah. yeah, you're right. It's like the way he stumbles in that moment. You're like this guy is credibly drunk and out of yeah. his mind. Yeah. yeah. Um. R.I.P. Anyway, yeah. continue. Yeah, I don't know. Like <sighs> Inception, cool like paprika better but cool you know what i mean it's like i think over time i've just had my expectations for his movies sort of i I don't know i've never really felt like i i flowed into that sense of nolan movies as like cause celeb they mostly are just like cool to me right um but i think again to since we're talking about both loki and tenet in the context of time travel i yeah the thing i appreciated about the movie right is that i think kind of to work with time travel effectively in fiction to me, like time travel or time management stuff, it needs to be a complication, right? There needs to, there's something about the fact that time is real and it's not, man. It, you know, time is something that you can't grab. You can't touch it. It's a thing that all, all of humanity and even the God, even the God of mischief, right? We're all sort of at the whim of the passage of time and it's barely real, but it's also the realest thing in the world and we all die, right? Like to yeah. me, if you're, if you're going to make plots based on the idea of time mischief, they need to be something that human, they can't just be like a toy that your characters get for Christmas. You know what I mean? I think that's kind of what Loki does. Loki treats the TVA powers like toys you got for Christmas. And now we're going to sort of, I mean, like it's actually in the, in the, in the form of, I mean, because time, uh, you know, aside from being like, you know, this nebulous concept on the show is represented on screen as like, you know, a little game thingy, like a little clicker. Yeah. It's, 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 it's represented as a TV remote, like that you can rewind and skip forward. At one point held by a little girl, right? Like by the, like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's yes. very toyetic. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I, I do get that. Like I, time is supposed to be represented as this like constant equal and equal and opposite reaction. And like turning it bureaucratic is like funny for like two episodes. Like it's very, but I mean like, these are things that like, that's what, like, I mean, like I was charmed by the Britishness of it was what I was talking about earlier is like hitchhikers guide to the galaxy does stuff like this better. Maybe, yeah. you know, there are things that have done this better, but it is, it's cool. You know, it's yeah. Whatever. even, even episodes of like star Trek, the next generation that don't do it that well, do it better than Loki does, frankly. But I think the thing about tenant to me, right. Is it at least, like again, if you're introducing time travel as your essential thing, then you need you need it to have tension. And tension comes from the fact of the characters going, "Okay, there is some time bullshit going on in this story, 
and that's annoying. Or how are we going to overcome this? Because time is such an insubstantial and yet ubiquitous thing, right? That's hard to get a handle on both conceptually and then literally. I think Tenet is at least good at, again, making it feel like a dramatically potent force in a story. Whereas Loki treats it like a Christmas present. And I don't know. I th- I think a lot like uh, I remember years ago on the website, I wrote about the anime series, The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya, which has this like really controversial arc in the second season called The Endless Eight, where the animators and this is like not Netflix style dump all the episodes at once. Every week for a summer, they aired an episode that was basically the same episode as the previous week, but again, and like reanimated all the voice lines taken again. And but you just have like week to week people watching the show going like, wait, but this was the episode they aired last week. But also there are differences and it turns out to be some time travel bullshit. It's like there's the characters are basically stuck in a time loop, right? Like one of the characters is playing God, like Haruhi is sort of like a God and she's obnoxious and she's unwitting about her own powers. And she's basically caught herself and all of her friends in replaying their high school summer vacation over, or I forget what grade it is, but like their summer vacation over and over again until the characters realize what's going on. Eight weeks of real, like in real time, realize what's going on and break out of the loop. And to me, like, yeah, that was probably really annoying if you watched that show (laughs) for eight weeks in real time as a viewer and went, what is this bullshit? Why are they doing this to me? But it sort of gets to the idea of like, that's that's the dramatic stuff you can do with time if you're going to do time hijinks, right? Is it shouldn't be that fun. <laughs> it shouldn't be as fun <laughs> and kind of trivial as Loki makes it out to be. It should be like Haruhi Suzumiya or like Tenet, where it's just like, ugh, this sucks. Like how logistically, like I, they focus a lot on Tenet and like you need to change how you think, right? I'm like, yeah, that should be the challenge for the characters, but also as a viewer. Like, what are the puzzles that you can sort of introduce to me as a viewer if you're going to make time manipulation a part of your plot? And I'm just surprised that, like, Loki manages to feel convoluted despite the fact that its use of time travel doesn't actually feel challenging or tense in that way. That's what feels kind of disappointing about the show to me. It's like a time travel show that isn't actually a time travel show. It's just convoluted for the standard reasons that all Marvel things are convoluted. Well, that's fair. Have you seen Tokyo Avengers? I haven't. You were you were mentioning this. Yeah, Tokyo tell, Avengers. Tell the people. Tell the people. Tokyo Avengers is a rather popular anime or anime that's gaining in popularity. The 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 manga is up to like crazy circulation in Japan that was described to me by a friend of mine as uh Jujutsu Kaisen level. Um, there is a single season of, I think there's a single season of Avengers out. Like you, you can stream it. Um, and it is like basically a story about this guy named uh, Hanagaki Takamichi, who is 30-something, living a life of masturbation and takeout, but eventually gets pushed in front of a subway train and wakes up in middle school. Like, and has, and like, you know, 
begins to relive middle school until the point that, you know, like he remembers that, oh yeah, that's right. I got jumped into a gang. <laughs> like on my first Oh, word? Like, and, oh, word? oh this is what Tony Ramage is about. Oh, and then, like it's a it's a it's a it's a show it's a shonen anime about about gangs. Oh, like, bad. oh bad. Like, I didn't so, I didn't know this at all about the setup. Okay. Yeah. So I mean like it's about like him attempting to of course there's a girl and he's attempting to save this girl uh from a fiery car accident death that is somehow tied to um a war between the triad or the Zyakas. I was gonna say because up to now you're describing like good kid mad city is what you're describing up until you start talking about the triads. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean like but so yeah, he just like it's he travels back in time to infiltrate the Tokyo Majin gang and gradually turn its leader good. I don't like it's like I haven't really figured out where the show is going yet, but it seems kind of interesting. And the stuff that they do with the like the combat, although there isn't much of it, is kind of as well, I mean, like it's super economical, but like expressive and okay. kind of like fun to. It's fun to watch. Uh, should give it a try. Where'd you watch it? Would you watch it on? It's on Crunchyroll. Okay, bet. Yeah, it's on Crunchyroll. Bet. Yo, you know we we gonna end up talking about this Chainsaw Man adaptation, by the way. Eventually. Oh, for yeah, we're gonna <laughs> for, 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 for that trailer sure. though. <laughs> that trailer. Shit. Shit. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, the, the 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 Chainsaw Man trailer, if you're listening to this and have not seen it, you should go like, you know, bang that, head bang to it, you know? It's a very it's a fire trailer. Hell yeah. Um now I'm just extra mad that I don't have any of the like I'm just kinda yeah, it says I'm or like, you know, I'm I'm just more it's one of those things that you watch and it it achieves the very difficult it clears the very the, the very high bar of being a thing that you want immediately and are angry that you can't have. Yeah, yeah. Because that animation, like, I'm calling this now. That show, when that show goes to air, is going to be a moment. Because that, you, you can't. That, <laughs> it's going to be a moment. That animation, that art style in the trailer is undeniable. You should speak undeniable. to us with a lot of humility in your heart, man. Where'd you find this? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's real. Yeah. Yeah, I do know what you're saying. I'm right here with you. I like I'm trying to I'm trying to see that shit immediately. Post haste. Yes. Just for one last note on Tenet before we go out. I I will just say that look, the movie is dumb. There's a lot of dumb stuff. Like even setting aside the Kenneth Branagh character, right? That movie It's a stupid movie. It's a stupid movie, but but I did file it under the classic distinction. You might as well make it the hashtag of this podcast, right? Dumb anime shit. That's what I, you know. By the time they were walking backwards through the plane, I was just like, "Yeah, it's, it's a dumb, dumb, this is a dumb anime approach you know, to time travel." And my as opposed issue to Loki, is that which is like it a, is a dumb anime approach to tri- time travel that refuses to announce itself as a as as a dumb anime approach to time travel. Like I don't know, man. By the time Homegirl was was squirting sun, sunscreen lotion well, on the deck I'm not of the saying, yacht, her, I'm not saying. I'm not saying you know, the thing itself. I'm talking about its erstwhile creator. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Like, I, yeah. you're right. I don't, it, and this is to what your point was about Nolan in general. 
I don't think that that kind of self-serious altruism that his stuff gets draped in at this point does a service to a movie like that, right? Because it's like dumb anime shit works because you adjust your expectations for the medium accordingly. You can't bring like inception expect you can't bring that tone of expectation to something that is dumb anime shit. Cause then it's just kind of, it's just kind of like a culture you, clash or something. Then you're just kind of like, this is just dumb anime shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't go in expecting like deep event movie. <laughs> I don't, I'm not saying that's what you're expecting, because again, I think like you and I, I think we both know what the score is. But yeah, I totally see you coming to it with the sense of like, man, the, like what it was is what was annoying more than any particular elements of the movie itself. It's just like the movie exists in a sea of expectations that are just the wrong expectations and the wrong sort of like tenor. I don't know. I feel like I feel you, but I disagree with you, but I feel you. You feel me? Um, you know the sound. The sound only tagline. I, I think more, more or less. Listeners, email us about Tenet. I don't know. Email you got anything us, else? Email <laughs> us. Email us about time travel bullshit. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what's your favorite time travel bullshit? I yeah. I love time travel bullshit. Time travel bullshit is at the very least fun to complain about. So, oh yeah, you know. Yeah, hit us up, man. Soundonlypod at gmail.com. I'm going to say it again because you was interrupting me. Soundonlypod at gmail.com. Wow. Your levels was clear and crispy and everything. Yeah. Uh, I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. We'll see y'all next week. Or is that last week? Are we flowing backwards or forward? Who knows which week? We might be broadcasting from the present, the past, the future. You don't know. Yeah, but like, you know, either way, shout out our producer, Erica Cervantes, though. And she might be in a different week. Yeah, she might She be. might have to travel backward to produce the podcast. And then we, anyway, we'll see y'all next week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.